Blog Talk Radio. If it is true, she she should have brought it up immediately. 
but to bring it up now when he's worth millions upon millions of dollars, it's kind of sketchy to me. Anyway. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you bring up, uh, you know, you bring up good points, and my problem is, is I'm thinking about it the same way you would think about it with a business. You don't want to be having, uh, you know, accusations made about, you know, one of the main people of your company because it makes your company look really bad. And no matter how you slice it, this is not good for Triple H. Even if it turns out that he didn't do any of this stuff, uh, it's still going to be a bad mark for the WWE because, you know, there's so many haters out there that hate WWE, that hate wrestling, that, that hate everything it stands for, and they're so quick to jump on anybody that has anything to do with it just to make them look bad. Yeah, yeah, they are. And uh, the fact that Triple H is pretty much, you know, running the whole show at this point with NXT and all the stuff they've got going on, he's a big public figure and it's it's going to put a mark on their reputation and I don't think it'll too much will come out of it. If it does come to a lawsuit, they'll probably settle out of court just to keep everything as wrapped as they can, but I don't I'm not buying it cuz China's huge. Okay, if he hit her, I'd hate to see what she would do to him. <laughs> that's that's a, that's another really good point. And you know, I mentioned uh I don't want to get off subject so quickly, you know, we'll touch on this a little bit later. Uh but you know, I mentioned the word figurehead. And when you hear figurehead, uh the first thing you you think of is a head. And uh when you're thinking of heads, probably one of the most famous heads of all time would be that of David J. Fielding. Uh, as as Zordon, I hope I'm again saying that right, from the Morning Motion Power Rangers. Uh, David, do we have you on the line with us? I am here. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us today. And let me just start off by saying that, uh, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I think I was 14 when the show first came out, but I do remember there was a lot of hype around it, and I was really excited for those first few episodes. And I do remember watching, and of course, the two most memorable characters to me, I mean, I was a pubescent boy, so obviously, you know, the Pink Ranger, Amy Jo Lee, uh, and then uh, Zordon were, were the two characters that just stuck in my mind. And throughout these years of, uh, you know, I don't really, you know, watch it anymore, but all these years, the, the, the two things that I always come back to were the Pink Ranger and Zordon. So let me just ask you this right off the bat. Did they come to you and tell you, like, what they had in mind for, you know, you portraying the Zordon character, or was it something that you guys kind of ad-libbed? Because I did notice uh, sometimes it seemed like, the, you know, the words obviously weren't, weren't matching the mouth. Uh, so, I mean, was it a, a situation where you were just saying whatever and then they were just, like, making it swiggle, or, like, how did that work exactly? Uh, well, I'm not sure exactly what their plan was from the top, but when, when I was told about the character, I, I was informed that he was this sort of... Uh, Wizard of Oz floating head type character. Uh, he was trapped in a time warp uh, and that he was going to be a mentor and a leader for these kids. And when we filmed it, uh, it, it was just filmed as a pilot. Uh, it hadn't been picked up by uh, any of the TV studios at that time. So uh, once they got picked up by Fox, I, I guess the decision was made at that point to um, not ever film the character again. Uh, so they just reused the footage over and over throughout the series. And they did a little digital futzing around with the mouth, which is why you never really see his lips move or uh, the, the lines match up. And I just, I would just go into the studio and do voiceover for it after that point. So what was that like then once, you know, the, the show became this huge hit? Because uh, obviously, you know, the, the fame, from what I remember, p- came pretty quickly. Um, so with that fame coming so quickly, would you assume that, you know, back in that day, 
that it would become such a huge hit even today to where you still have fans that are adamant Power Rangers fans. Um, yeah, I, I, it took me by surprise because I, I left Los Angeles shortly after the show went on the air. I, I wasn't happy living out there. Um, uh, I, I wasn't going on as many auditions as I wanted to. I, you know, I was working a day job in order to pay bills and, just every now and then I would go in and do voices for the character. And, and so I felt very disconnected from the show in a way um, because they, they, I wasn't on camera. I wasn't on set with any of the other Rangers. And so, um, and the, and the way that they had uh, worked as a contract for the character and stuff was that they owned all that footage. They didn't, they, you know, they didn't have to pay to film that character again. So, um, uh, I made the decision, you know, you know, I I wanted to be happy rather than you know miserable and living out in Los Angeles. So I, I left, but um, uh, I didn't realize how huge it was going to be until I don't know a, a year later or something like that. When you're walking around a toy store and you see your face on a toy and you're like, what the heck? Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, I think I think they had an idea that it, it might be pretty big, but I don't think anybody was of the mind that it would still be going 20 years later, and. Uh, about four or five years ago, uh, I started to get an inkling that there there were a huge fan base out there that still wanted to see these guys and to, and to talk to some of their heroes and stuff. And got a chance to go to a, a convention in in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for the first time. And that's when it really hit me that the characters had a, a really big impact on a certain you know slice of the population. Well, do you feel that the the time that you spent as uh, you know the Zordon character, or the time that uh, you know they used the Zordon character uh, in the way that they did, do you think that they used it properly, or do you think that there's you know things that they could have explored that they didn't? Oh yeah, I, I definitely think uh, there there was a lot of territory that they didn't explore that they might have, uh, and who knows what would have happened had I stayed out there. I mean, at the time that the show was going through the first season, there was, there was never any talk or any plans that I knew of, of taking the character out of the tube or exploring where he came from or his home planet or anything like that. Um, uh, but yeah, I definitely think that there's, there's a lot of rich material that you could still mine about the character. And, and I, I hear that all the time from fans about, you know, Zord, you know, Zordon is the first ranger. How did he, how did he get the, how did he get these powers? How did he get in the tube? And uh, all those things. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's possible that, you know, that they could do that at some point. I don't know. Well, let's, uh, let's stray a little bit from the Power Rangers because we'll come back to that in a second. Um, I did want to ask sure. you one question. Uh, and, and I noticed that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was your Facebook page, uh, it mentioned that you are an actor and a director. Uh, well, I think that's just the classification that Facebook has for that category. Um, I, I have directed plays and stuff, but I, I, as far as like a director of of any sort of film property, that that's not true. I mean, uh, I think that's just Facebook's classification system as far as that's concerned. Okay, because the reason I bring it up is I know, of course, you know, they're always doing different series for the Power Rangers. Um, and mm-hmm. like I said, I, I did want to stray away from it a little bit, but it's kind of connected. Um, I was just curious if they ever came to you and, you know, wanted you to write an episode or uh, have anything to do with the show again in any kind of capacity. Is that something that you would be uh, willingly uh, wanting to uh, revisit? Oh, sure. Sure, I'd love to. I mean, uh, at the time that I was 
uh, living out in Los Angeles, I was I was pretty good friends with uh, Tony Oliver, who was the head writer on the show, and I had spoken with him at length about possibly writing for the show, writing writing episodes because that's 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 really kind of what I do now. I'm, I'm a writer. I've got a number of short stories and stuff that have been published in the last couple of years and um, very interested in doing that thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, if they ever came to me and said, would you like to revisit the character? I'd say, sure, that would be fine. I mean, uh, kind of, kind of going back and, and answering something you asked earlier about um, it, it, what's really fascinating for me and, and also very humbling is to know that the character was a positive influence and, and, uh, something that's long lasted and and that's been very something that I'm very pretty proud of is that the character um always sort of represented the not necessarily moral compass but you know he was he was the steadfast one that the rangers would all, could always go to and depend on so i mean it, it it's very uh, very humbling and, and something you know that I'm pretty proud of to know that the character was uh like i said you know really really positive well, you know, you mentioned about having a positive influence and the character being uh, very light, and, and obviously that's that's very much true. Uh, it's, it's definitely a character that's hardly, uh, you know, something that's easy to forget. Uh, but do you uh, have any, like, connections with any of the, you know, the former cast? You know, even if it's not just from uh, the first seasons, do you still ever talk to uh, anybody that's worked with the show or any of the actors? Uh, you guys ever keep um, in touch? Uh, this past August, I, I attended Power Morphicon out in California, and that was the first time that I'd I'd seen uh, Austin St. John, Walter Jones, David Yost, and, you know, since I'd done the show for like 20, 21 years or whatever. And since then, I've been going to a number of conventions and, and have uh, reconnected with those guys, and, and you know, we, we talk whenever we're there together and stuff like that, but it's not like we talk to each other on the phone or anything, but... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we stay we stay in touch now. Well, I noticed recently, I can't remember which, which con it is. You might you probably know better than me, uh, but they just announced that, like, most of the original cast, I think, except for Amy Jo Lee, is getting together for a con. Uh, is that something you're involved in, too? Uh, if, if you're talking about the great Philadelphia Comic Con that's coming up in April, yes, I'll be there for that one. Uh, and oh, I guess excellent. they're calling it like a yeah they're calling it like a, a, a mini ranger reunion, um, and there's going to be quite a number of rangers there from the first two seasons I believe. Wow, that's definitely something. I, like I, I know uh, our buddy that uh, our mutual friend that put us in contact, uh, the Florida Fall guy Brian Wensloff. You know he joins us sometimes on the show. Uh, you know he had a kid right. recently, so he's kind of busy. He hasn't been able to as much, but he was really excited, and he even told me, you know, he would be willing to drive just about anywhere to see, you know, those uh, those names, you know, that many people of the cast all together. And you were one of the first names he mentioned, and he said, you got to call him, you got to get a hold of him, get get him on the show. I'm telling you, he's such a nice guy. And and I said, well, of course, but you know, you, you assume, you know, grow up, you know, knowing Zordon. I'm like, yeah, like Zordon's gonna say he's gonna do my show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it, I'm pretty excited about it. The, the guy who is the promoter for the Great Philly Comic Con, he also does the uh, the Allentown Comic Con. But it, it, it's really sort of a goal for him to get as many Rangers, uh, original Rangers, together on stage, which would be like. Uh, a really big coup for all of the fans to see all of these people that they've that they've known and loved over the years on on stage together, uh, uh, you know, and to have the original uh, five cast members. Uh, sadly, we we can't have Tweet because she she passed away. But um, you know, to be able to have all those guys on stage at the same time, I think would just 
the internet would explode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, hard to argue with that. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you're going to be involved in, um, I, I can't remember the, the, the main female bad girl's name. Uh, it used to be, I used to know it so well, and I can't remember it. Uh, but I think she's going to be there as well. Uh, uh, it, 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 you mean uh, uh, Hillary Shepard, Diva Talks? Uh, the female, right? The female, the bad guy from the first season? I th- I think so. Or, or uh, well, uh, if you're talking about Rita Repulsa, the uh, the voice actress Barbara Goodson will will be. I know she's going to be in Pensacola and Lexington. I'm not, I'm not sure if she's going to Great Philly, but um, I'll, I'll see her at the end of this month at Pensacola. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. It sounds like it is, and definitely anybody that is going to have a chance to go to that, you know, I would strongly recommend it because I'm in Michigan, and hell, I might even drive down there to see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that they're trying to get a bunch of us up to uh, Motor City, to the Motor City Comic Con. Uh, I think that's sometime later this year. So we may be in the in the Michigan area sometime soon. I mean, you know, don't don't quote me on that because I haven't heard anything from a booking <laughs> agent yet. But uh, uh, I know that uh, it, it, you know, the last couple of years, and that's that's the thing that's very surprising to me because. Uh, to me, when we did it, it was just sort of like this one-time thing, and you know, it was a, a television show that that showed on Saturday morning, and then I, you know, I went on with my life and, and did some other things, and um, and then to find out, you know, 20 years later that that it's it's still going strong, it's still got a huge fan base, and and it's it's really am- amazing to see, you know, how much life is still there. So it's really cool. Well, I do feel bad because this whole interview I have completely hogged. Sarah, do you have any questions? Because once again, I'm just, you know, hogging it all up. You always hog it all up. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just sitting here listening. I, I told you a long time ago, I'm not really into comic books. Since, I mean, I did watch Power Rangers when I was a kid, and I, I can't really go into a locker room without somebody's phone. Do, 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 do. So... <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I was I was a big fan of Power Rangers. My fiance still watches it. We own as many as we stumble across, and it's it's just cool to listen to you talk about your life, though. So I'm just oh. back here chilling. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you know, we talked a little bit about the cons. What has that experience been like for you? Because obviously, different people have different cons, and from what I understand, the reason that Amy Jolie is not going to attend is because she had a really, really bad experience at one of the cons. Um, I think it had something to do with a stalker. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, from what I've read and from some of the people I've talked to, uh, you know, that was a situation that kind of has rubbed her the wrong way. And you know, I've, I've heard that from a lot of people. I've had comic book professionals that have told me, you know, I did conventions for a few years, had a, re- a few really, really bad instances, and just don't go back. Uh, but you haven't had anything like that, am I right? Uh, no, uh, you know, uh, so far things have been been very cool. Uh, I do know that it that there are a lot of fans who are very passionate uh, about these things, and their uh, the social decorum sometimes breaks down, and so it you know it they get too close or or um, uh, I was I was in Rhode Island in November, uh, the Rhode Island Comic Con, which was which was huge. I mean, it was just filled, packed with people, and uh, I did notice a number of times where uh, people would jump line, they would cut line, and uh, to them, you know, it didn't matter that that other people had been standing in line for 20, 30 minutes to to meet somebody, it was just, all they could see was them talking to, you know, know, somebody that was famous or or somebody that they wanted to talk to, and 
it's it's kind of disturbing to 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 know that you know that they don't kind of look at you as sort of a a regular person or whatever. It's um and and they you know they they talk to you like you're their best friend and that you should know things about them. And if you don't respond to to them in a certain way, they get they can get kind of angry about it because um just psychologically you know they feel that you know you're closer to them than you, than you actually are. But uh, luckily I haven't, I haven't faced anything like that before. So, and and as far as Amy Jo is concerned, I mean, um, she's, she's got this other career going on. She's, you know, she's a singer and she's got this film thing going on. So um, for her, I, I really can't, I can't speak for her. Um, uh, but I could, I can understand why she would want to sort of uh, keep an arm's length at sometimes. Yeah, and you know what happens with bands, you know, they break up or they go their separate ways once they're done doing the work together. You know, they really don't want to constantly be hitting, you know, the the past. They want to move on. You know, and like I said, I mean, I, I don't know what the real reason is. I can just go by speculation, things I've heard, things I've well, been told. I, I also, um, yeah, I also know that, uh, that Amy and David, uh, you know, uh, and to some extent, uh, Austin and Walter, too, there was some tension between them and the producers as far as, like, how much how much they were being paid and and so forth. So, uh, to have those guys really you know put the suit back on is is really sort of you know kind of rubbing them the wrong way. I mean, meeting meeting fans and and holding a helmet and taking a picture with somebody is one thing, but to have somebody ask you to to put the suit back on that might have some um, not necessarily happy memories for you, then yeah, I can understand why they wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes for just about anything you do. Um, I mean, I've had jobs in my life where, you know, I've worked fast food jobs, you know, just for some extra money, and it's the kind of thing I would never want to revisit. So, you know, if a, if a right. famous taco place called me and said, hey, come back to work, I don't think I'd want to. Uh, so, <laughs> so I really, I can really relate to that. Um, but, you know, it, it's a good thing that, you know, we touched on this a little bit because, you know, it's one thing that kind of gets uh, tossed aside with, you know, famous people, whether it's, comic book celebrities or, you know, movie and TV stars is that, you know, you guys are regular people just like everybody else. I mean, yeah, whether you had a certain amount of fame or still have a certain amount of fame really shouldn't matter. You know, you guys are there to have a good time just like we're there to have a good time. And if people, whether it's, you know, the fans or the creators or the stars or whatever, are not going to be happy, they really shouldn't be there, you know? Yeah, and uh, just last month I was in Laredo and and Sam uh, Sam Jones was there, the actor who played Flash in uh, Flash Gordon from the early 1980s. And he, and, you know, he said he he put it really well. He was like, you know, if if you're here and you know you you have a if you're upset because a fan wants to take a picture of you, maybe you shouldn't be here. And and uh, I'm. So far, I've had such a great time meeting all the fans and stuff, and and being able to take five or ten minutes to to you know say thank you to somebody who uh, you know drove a long way to be there, or or who you know the show is really dear uh, to their heart and stuff. I mean, it's to me, it's it's kind of giving back in a way because uh, I, I was very lucky in the sense that I got that job. I mean, you know, it could have been anybody. So uh, it's kind of a social responsibility for me in a, in a way to sort of like, you know, come, you know, give back and, and to meet as many of the fans as possible. Well, you know, we touched on the, you know, the Comic-Cons and we've touched on the Power Rangers a little bit, uh, but what are you doing today? Like what, what is David J. Fielding up to uh, these days? 
Uh, well, I'm I'm getting back into doing voiceovers, uh, and I'm a writer, as I said. I've uh, got a number of uh, short stories and and books in the work. Uh, work. Um, just this past October, my novelette Buddy Holly in the Cold Cold Ground was published by Cool Beans Publishing. Um, uh, a couple of my superhero stories were published by Source Point Press. All, you can find all this stuff on my Amazon page on Amazon.com. Uh, and I was just told last week that. Uh, my steampunk superhero story is going to be included in a clockwork anthology coming out from Dark Oak Press, uh, Capes and Clockwork, Volume 2. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I you know, I, I now, myself now have been, uh, <laughs> I myself have been wondering this whole time if they ever do a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic, if you're now going to have a you know hand in that. <laughs> uh, well, I would love to, but uh, so far uh, nobody has approached me about anything. Uh, I get a lot of fans asking me about the reboot movie. Are you going to be Zordon and that? And uh, so far, nobody from Saban or Lionsgate or anybody associated with the reboot has contacted myself or any of the other former Rangers. I, uh, so uh, I really don't have any information about that. I wish I did, but I don't. Well, it's definitely something that would be great. I mean, I, I think that our society has this love of nostalgia that will probably never die because I was born in the 80s, and I love stuff from the 70s and 60s. So, Right, exactly. That was really cool. What's that? That was actually the one question that I was instructed to ask by my fiancé is if you were going to be in a Power Ranger movie, if they ever made one. <laughs> Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I would love to. I, I would do it in a heartbeat, but unfortunately, nobody has called me. But if they're out there listening, hey, <laughs> give me a call. Hey, no, this um, guy. <laughs> I mean, Make that's, that's what really psyched me when when I got the job and when I found out what the show was going to be about. As far as like giant robots fighting, you know, big rubber monsters, I was I was really excited about it because I grew up on that stuff as a kid. I mean, Godzilla and Ultraman and Spectre Man. I mean, I loved all that stuff. So. Uh, to be a part of the show that was not only superheroes but big giant monsters, I, I was I was over the moon for that. So. Well, I know that there's a lot of different things that has been going on with uh, you know the different shows. There's different talk about different movies and stuff like that. Do you think we'll ever see a Power Rangers that's like geared more towards like mature audiences? Um, possibly, um, part of the appeal of, of the original series was how cheesy it was. Um, and I think a, a lot of complaints that people had when the first movie came out was that the, uh, the CGI just really didn't work as far as like the Zords and, and the giant monsters and stuff. So, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with the reboot, whether or not they're going to go with what they did with the, the Transformers movies, which was uh, to make it more realistic or believable or, or whatever. Um, but, but I guess that's my question for you guys. I mean, do you think that a more mature-themed Power Rangers would work? Or is, does the Power Rangers work because it is kind of cheesy and goofy? Well, I, I don't know about Fringe, but I, I want to see the zippers on the costumes in my Power Ranger monsters. That was the <laughs> best part of it. I mean, you, yeah. can, you can see the zipper. You can obviously tell that it's, you know, a cheesy costume. And that that was part of it. I mean, that was just part of what made it fun. Yeah. Because it was so cheesy. 
yeah. sit there I, and I got a chance. mystery science theater it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, I watched the first episode of the new season of Power Rangers, Dino Charge, and I really, really liked it. I thought I thought it captured a lot of the feeling of the original series. There was a lot of, you know, the villains were over the top and goofy, and, and the monsters were fun, So and the colors were just so bright. I thought, you know, it was really great. Plus, plus it had dinosaurs, which is going all the way back to the beginning, so that was good. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's in, reference, in reference to what Sarah's answer was, my answer is specifically just the fact that I don't care how it's done, as long as it's done in a way that's true to the series, that's true to the original idea of the show. I mean, if they want to go a mature route, I'm totally cool with that, as long as they do it in the context of, you know, where the show came from, keeping the heart in place and not trying to change too many things just to sensationalize it for, you know, more views uh, or more theater ticket sales and stuff like that. Uh, but I will say right. this, coming from somebody who in the past had to dress up as SpongeBob and Elmo, and uh, I, I have dressed up as Black and Blue Power Ranger before uh, and done children's yeah. parties, uh, I can appreciate how cheesy those outfits can be. Because I can tell you right now, I wore that damn SpongeBob head, and that thing was so heavy on the top that you literally felt like something was pushing on your brain through the whole hour that you were trying to, you know, teach these kids, you know, whatever you were doing and, you know, playing games with them and, you know, giving them cake and all that stuff. It's like, how are you supposed to focus on all that when your head feels like it's being compressed by a giant sponge on top of your head? Right, exactly. Yeah. Or like the Elmo costume. The Elmo costume was great. It was so easy to put on, but, man, once you got in that thing, it was like 150 degrees. Yeah, I mean that to me that's one of the really fascinating things about attending conventions and stuff is all the cosplay that goes on and the time and effort that those people are putting into getting the costume just right or um you know molding their weapons to make it look exactly like it was on the show and stuff. I mean, they they take a lot of pride and stuff and like that and and some of them look really really good. I mean, you know, better than the show even and and so for me to go to a convention and see these people walking around and stuff, to me, that's just, that's fantastic. I love that stuff. Yeah. And some of them, as we've recently seen from the guy who uh, dressed up as Peter Griffin from family guy and went to, uh, I think it was the, the, the New Jersey or the Northwestern or so he went to some kind of comic con and it's all yeah. over Facebook. It's all over social media because he got the voice down really, really good, you know, and, and that's what, the thing. What like, I like, like, in those, Oh, go ahead. What I find funny about that is that uh, <laughs> he's got more likes on Facebook uh, or more fans on Facebook than I do. So I think that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and it's always great because, I mean, the guy clearly, you know, he practiced to get that voice. You know, he even said, you know, he took a little bit of time trying to get everything, you know, down. And it's it's very similar with cosplay uh, that it is to, you know, being a children's performer when you're, you know, doing all those different characters. Like, I had to learn how to do SpongeBob. I had to learn how to do Elmo. I had to learn how to do Blue from Blue's Clues even though Blue from Blue's Clues literally just goes, it's like I still had to learn how to do that. Exactly. Of course, you know, there's certain voices that just came a little easier. uh, But, you know, again, that that just kind of furthers the cosplay and makes it that much better. I mean, because what are you going to be more excited about, a guy who comes up to you dressed as Elmo or a guy that comes up to you as Elmo and says, (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, the, the, well, more, you know, the more they put into it, the better. 
And, and that's the beauty of cosplay. I, I, I've myself been kind of back and forth on it. Uh, you know, there have been times where I feel like sometimes people just go in cosplay to get free th- things because some of them actually admit that. They say, yeah, I'm just going to put on an outfit and then I'll get handed a bunch of free stuff and people will take a, you know, pictures of me, blah, blah, blah. But then you have people that are genuinely you know, in love with you know, certain aspects of a character to where they want to cosplay it as an homage, not as a way to make money. Correct, correct. Yeah, for, for them, it, it's, it's more not. important to to uh, to pay respect to the to the thing that they're playing. So yeah, yeah. And we recently had Autumn Ivy on, who uh, she was. Uh, uh, I can't believe I can't remember all this, but she's been at least ten different characters uh, that she's cosplayed uh, recently. And you know, just looking at all these characters, she does such a great job. And she's also a comic book writer. Um, it just goes to show that, you know, just about anybody, if you're passionate enough and you care enough and you put the time in, you know, you can make those outfits look amazing and you can, you know, really capture people's, uh, you know, imagination. Because when you see these outfits, a lot of times you're just like, wow, that looks so real. It's not even funny. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been a number of times at conventions where I've had, you know, got up from my table and walked across, you know, the hall and said, listen, can I take a picture with you? Because this is fantastic. I mean, the uh, the attention to detail, the amount of work, I mean, there was a, uh, a girl at Rhode Island who had these, uh, her, she was wearing, I don't know if she was like some sort of character from a video game or what, but she had these articulated wings on her back that, uh, when she stretched them out full, they had like a wingspan of like eight feet. So, uh, you know, and that, that took a lot of, uh, architectural know-how to try to, you know, get those wings up there and, and how she could wear them and how she could move them. It's just, you know, a lot of work went into that. Yeah, and, and that's the great thing about the cosplay, too, is when you go to these conventions and you see all these different characters being portrayed, you know, a lot of times you'll see characters that you might not have seen in years, uh, and then you see them, you know, portrayed like that. And it, sometimes, you know, they really are brought to life in those costumes. And, you know, again, you know, it, a lot of it has go, to go back to dedication and, uh, you know, how much the people really want to look like this character. But, uh, you know, that's just something with cosplay. You know, it's, it's, it's a beast unto itself. It's not easy. A lot of people think it's as easy as just taking some cloth and putting it on. Trust me, I've talked to a lot of cosplayers. It ain't that easy. Uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> we've, we've run a little over our time. Uh, Dave, I definitely wanted to thank you for joining us this week. And uh, really quickly, can you uh, just let everybody know where they can find you on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and all that? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zordon2012. You can find me at Instagram at DJFZordon. Uh I'm on Facebook, uh, Zordon2012, uh, and you can find me there. I'm also, you know, if you want to check out my books, you can go to Amazon.com and find me there, too. And thanks very much. It was a, it was a great pleasure to be on the show. Oh, it was an absolute Hi. honor for us. And uh, yeah, go ahead, I enjoyed Jeff. it. I enjoyed it. I was <laughs> just thanking him. I was just thanking him. Thank you, thank you Zordon. Thank you. Okay. Tell your fiancé. Last week, I... I will. <laughs> last week, last week I totally fanboyed out uh, and just drooled all over Shannon Mayer's art. So I think this week it would be appropriate for me to fanboy again. And uh, would it be too much trouble that we all just really quickly just say it's morphin' time together? Sure, that'd be great. <laughs> all right, on three. One, two, three. It's morphin' time. It's morphin' time. It's morphin' time. <laughs> nice. Uh, thank you, thank you so much, David. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll try to get you back on again in the future when you uh, don't have uh, so much going on. If, you know, we can squeeze you in. We'll squeeze you in for sure. And uh, you know, we'll try to sure. catch up on a little bit more stuff. If you have anything that you want us to promote for you, any uh, appearances, any signings, anything that you're doing, please let us know, and we'll make mention it on the show. Make sure everybody knows about it. Sure, I will. And I'd definitely like to be on uh, later on. That would be great. 
Absolutely. You know, we'll stay in touch, and, uh, you know, we'll make it happen. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you so much, David. You have thank a great you. night. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Wow, I just talked to Zordon from the Power Rangers. How I know, right? <laughs> so cool, even for me. Okay, I'll just say it right now. I've had a couple of my heroes, my all-time heroes that I've met in the past year. Some of them have been on this very show, but that was one of the hardest interviews I've ever done because it's so hard for me to not just be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm talking to you because, like, everybody knows who he is. If you know anything about Power Rangers, you have to know who Zordon is. Right. You yeah. don't know his name. I mean, <laughs> can you not know who Zordon is? That's why I told you. I was like, how else would you say his name? I don't, know. I don't even know how else you could pronounce that. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I didn't, uh, you know, he didn't get any applause on this last one because the, uh, the applause button's not working. Uh, so it's probably not going to work for our next guest, who I think we have on the line right now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and try to bring her on. Give me one second here. On the air with Samantha Heights. Hey guys, how you doing? Yay! I'll do the applause. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Oh, did the clapping oh, I wish go I through? I had the applause button. Man, right? I would I would push that applause button all day, every day. Every day, I'd be walking <laughs> around just going clap, 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 clap. Every time I walked through a doorway, you would hear that applause. Everybody would look and say, "What is that?" Oh, it's Samantha Heights. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I do that anytime I hear like my my entrance music playing in like Walmart or something. I'll start walking around in character, like, yeah, what? Oh yeah, you better (laughs) believe it. I strut. I strut every time I hear it. How are you, Samantha? I haven't seen you in a good long while. I know it's been months. Been months. It has been months. I'm good. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you remembered me because we only had that one little meeting at that that place right, in Tennessee. But but yeah. uh, I remembered you and we had a couple. Actually, we had a fan ask to bring you on, so I was like, "Hey, I've met her. Let me see what I can do." <laughs> well, you know, anytime you guys want, just let me know. I'm always down to to do an interview to talk to people, whatever. That's cool. That's cool. You'd be surprised how many people are like, ah, "I don't know. I don't know if I have time." No, man, I'm just absolutely flattered that you guys actually wanted me on the show. I'm kind of flabbergasted, really. I mean, you want to talk to little old me? That's insane to me, still. What is that? Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to jump. This is the part where I uh, ask you to tell your life story, how you got started, who trained you, all that good stuff. All right. All right. Well, you know, my story, uh, it starts out the way most wrestlers do. You know, I've been a fan of wrestling my entire life, really. I used to watch it with my family and uh, with my grandma. My grandma, actually, before she passed away, every Monday oh. night, I get a call. Hey, honey, I just wanted to remind you what's going on. Oh, so I just show up and watch it, you know. So that's, you know, it's been a it's been a long, long love affair for me. And then uh, I used to go to HWA shows in Hamilton, Ohio, in the Montgomery County Fairgrounds, you know, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And then they closed their doors for a little while. They came back, and my brother said, hey, you're never going to believe who's running in Hamilton. And I said, okay, I don't believe you. Just just tell me. So he tells me, and he's like, we have to go to a show. So we go to a couple shows and sitting in the crowd, you know, and uh, someone that I used to work with, his brother actually wrestled there. 
and I just happened to have mentioned on Facebook how much I wanted to get in the ring and how awesome it must be to be a wrestler. And he was like, well, hey, you know, do you want to train? I can hook you up. So, you know, so I started training with a guy by the name of Mitch Magnus. So mm-hmm. it only lasted a, a couple of weeks. He had some personal issues, so he kind of went his separate way. But, you know, I, I kept going to shows. So then a couple of weeks into it, uh, Dave Chris pulls me aside and says, hey, you know, I noticed you were training with him for a little while. I noticed he's not here. I don't know what's going on with that. But, you know, if you want to come train with me, this is the time, this is the day, this is the place. If you want to come check it out, that's cool. If you don't, that's cool too. But, you know, just the door is open. Even if you want to come and just sit for a practice, see how you run things, you know, it's up to you. So I went to a practice, and I've been training with him ever since. It's been almost four years now that I've been training with him. And, you know, it really just, it was all just great timing and a lot of luck for me that I got to be where I'm at now. Yeah, it was a lot of luck for me, too. I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of luck. So, what kind of style do you go with? I mean, I know you're you're a you're a little flyer, right? Well, I do a couple a couple of fun things. You know, I can do the head scissors and the hurricanranas and all of that. Uh, my favorite thing to do though is probably a frog splash. I kind of oh. love it. There's a feeling of just being in the air that is just there's nothing like it. Yeah, they're cool to watch too because it's like, man, it's got really high. Oh yeah. I mean other than that though, I love I love chain wrestling and I know it's crazy I can go from flying through the air to being primarily on the mat, but I mean there's something about just going hold for hold and you know, just chain wrestling with somebody that it's so it can be so fluid it's almost like a dance, you know, and I love yeah. that aspect of wrestling. So that's you know, that's one thing that I do a lot, but I mean really I don't particularly have one style of wrestling being so small I just do whatever I can to keep my opponent down whether that's you know using my leverage kicking their legs out from under them I will admit though I do kick people in the face an awful lot I do that a lot so that's, that's probably that's my style too. is just face kicking that's all I need so you're, you're just you're a kicker all right oh yeah okay. Kick, kicking's fun too I accidentally kicked a dude in the face this weekend, so I can I can relate. Ooh, it was a total accident. Uh, I was aiming for him. He was he was on all fours. I went to kick him. He stood up. He got it right in the nose. Like sorry about right. that. It happened. I mean, if he stood right up into it, then you know. I mean, it's right. He did not ballet. So well, I call it full contact ballet sometimes. <laughs> we'll call like you were talking about with the with the chain wrestling. I mean, there is an art to it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh god yeah. yeah. And I mean, I've I've had the opportunity to learn from you know some of the best, not only in the Midwest but in the United States. I mean, yeah. I'd easily say Dave, his brother Jay, and Nevaeh. They're easily some of the top wrestling talent, you know, in the United States. And I've had the opportunity to re- be in the ring with all of them. So, you know, it's really, it's kind of a blessing. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Every every time I get the chance to, I absolutely mm. jump on it. Yeah. I've, I've had the luxury of being in the locker room with quite a few uh, old school vets, you know, like uh, Tracy's mm-hmm. mothers and 
Um, I've met Rocky Johnson. Who would who would you say is the the biggest, the best in your opinion that you've ever met? Was your favorite to meet as far as veterans go? See, I don't know. I've really been been kind of spoiled with some of the places that I've worked in Ohio and Indiana. And I mean, uh, for instance, Rockstar Pro Wrestling in Dayton, Ohio. We've had some fantastic guys come in. We've had Sabu. We've had Rhino. Uh, Al Snow, the Tommy Dreamer. We, I've been in the locker room with all of these guys, and you know they've all taught me something different about the business. So to say, you know, that there's just one of them, I honestly don't think I could put one above the other. They've all been so fantastic, and you know I've had the opportunity to to learn from Tracy as well. Tracy's mother's at a D1W in New Albany, Indiana. And he's just, he's so incredibly knowledgeable, but he's so incredibly approachable. He's such a friendly guy. He is. In the he's, locker room with him. He is. He's, mm-hmm. he's really down to earth, and he's really nice. And I wasn't intimidated at all. Just to, I mean, I was actually in a match against him mm-hmm. as a mixed tag, oh, wow. mixed tag small. But I took a flatliner mm-hmm. from Tracy Smothers, and I think that's, you know, pretty cool. That's awesome. That it is. It was pretty cool. Stuff, it's stuff like that, getting to be in the ring with guys like Tracy and getting to learn from them. You know, that's, I really am I'm absolutely spoiled with it from Rockstar, but, you know, it's a very, very blessed feeling, really, because I get the opportunity to learn from these guys. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. What you doing over there, friend? You got any questions? Do we lose friends? She taking a nap. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way to say this to where it doesn't make me sound like a total idiot. Uh, I am. I, I'm a huge fan in. <laughs> well, I, I always sound like an idiot anyway, so I don't know what I'm worried about. But uh, I, I'm a huge fan on originality, and I'm a huge fan on looks for wrestlers. I think that a lot of times. Uh, you know, whether it's independent wrestlers or, you know, the guys that make it to the WWEs, the WCWs, uh, the ECWs, whatever, I feel like a lot of times they really don't focus on their look being almost like an organic uh, kind of thing. And it seems like a lot of times, you know, you just get these really uh, cliched kind of um, looks for s- certain wrestlers. Like a-, a lot of these guys just do the black trunks, the black boots, whatever, because they, you know, kind of want to emulate Stone Cold. And then they kind of act like Stone Cold, and then they wonder why people say, well, you're just a Stone Cold knockoff. <laughs> Right. right. So my question is, yeah, absolutely, it does happen. So my question is, is would you say that your look was something that was kind of organic, or is that something that you really thought about and put a lot of effort into? Because, and this is just me shooting honestly with you, I think it's one of the most mm-hmm. original looks that I've seen of any of the women on the independent circuit. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I'll agree with that. Honestly, my look, my my spandex, my gear, my hair, this is all stuff that's just kind of, it's me. Uh, Dave has always told us, you know, be yourself, but amp that shit up to 11. You know, be yourself, but be over the top, be larger than life. Make yourself into something that's going to be unforgettable. So, you know, when you say, is it organic? I mean, it's absolutely organic. It's, you know, stuff that I look at and I wouldn't think twice about, whereas some other people might be like, oh, you know, I don't really want to wear a tutu in the ring. Oh, a little bows on it. No, thanks. Uh, pink and purple hair, 
no thanks, that not, that's not for me. But, like, for instance, my hair has been, my hair's been multicolored since before I even started wrestling. So that's just, it just me amps up to 11. That's the best way to describe it. It's, you know, it is organic. I like to keep myself fun and just kind of be myself, really. There's a lot of wrestling legends that say things such as, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, both of you, you and Sarah, uh, that, you know, the, the best characters are the ones that are organic, almost extensions of that wrestler to where you're really just pulling something out of yourself as opposed to just playing a character. And I think a great example of that is, of course, uh, you know, Mark Calloway, who is the, is the Undertaker and who, you know, used to be me, Mark Calloway, and, all, and the Destroyer, and all these really weird uh, characters, and then found something that really worked for him. And, I mean, he made it explode, and it's probably one of the most successful uh, gimmick characters of all time. Uh, I think that with your look, I think it's it's not just the look. I think it's the way and the style that you wrestle. It's just such a perfect fit to me because you don't. I don't think you see a lot of that. I think a lot of what you see today is certain wrestlers trying to clone off of whether they're famous wrestlers or wrestlers that they look up to, uh, and, and kind of like steal a little bit from that uh, from that look and from that character. Um, I don't see any of that with your character. I see a lot of that being original. I see a lot of it as something that, you know, you could walk into the WWE and easily not have to change your character at all and still get over. Well, dang, I think I might be blushing right now because that's, you know, that's one of the best compliments I've had in a long time, especially when it comes to wrestling and gimmicks and characters and everything. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, just, that's, just a, that's just the truth. You know, that's the way I see it. You're absolutely right, though. Finding an original gimmick and an original thing in, in independent wrestling especially is, is really difficult to do. So I agree with friends, and I've got to give you credit for that because everybody just seems to take, you know, their favorite wrestler, and then they turn it back a notch and put a little bit of themselves into it. But it's completely mm-hmm. recognizable what they're trying to do. But I don't, I don't right. see that in your stuff. I see I see Samantha Heights in your stuff, so I completely agree with Prince. Well, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, it, it's definitely one of those things where, and, I, and Sarah can attest to this because uh, I, I contacted her and I said, you know, I've, I've seen uh, a couple of videos of Samantha Heights. I've seen, you know, a few people have actually said to me, you know, you should probably try to get her on the show. I've seen some uh, photos, some really cool things that you've done. And I said to myself, you know, it's not just the look, but the way you wrestle is something to me that is, you know, very refreshing because you don't see a lot of that today. You you see a lot of the same stuff. Like, you know, here's a good example. A lot of uh, girls that I've seen on the independent scene, you know, they look up to Velvet Sky a lot because, you know, she oozes sexiness and she's, you know, a very strong woman. And, you know, that character is kind of easily easily emulated for certain people. And then you, you've got people like yourself where, you know, I get so lost in watching what you do that I don't, think there's a distinguishment between the character and yourself because to me I get so lost in it that I'm just like this is Samantha Heights this is the wrestler she's out there kicking ass she looks good at what she's doing and she's got me totally believing it well thank you thank you you're doing your job listen to that good job (laughs) (laughs) I am I'm incredibly flattered right now by this I mean I go out there and I do try to do everything that I can to just you know be myself in the ring I want to be able to. I want to be able to make people feel something, you know. And if I can do that by like just being myself in the ring, then that's absolutely perfect, you know. Like I don't necessarily feel the need 
to watch somebody and say, okay, I like the way they do this. I'm going to start doing that exactly the way they, they do it. You know, one thing Dave has always told me is, you know, be yourself. If you find something that you like that someone else does, you know, use it, but make it your own. Put your own spin on it. Do your own thing. Put a little thing on it for yourself. That's what I try to do, you know, because obviously wrestling, everybody uses everybody. There are only so many things out there. It's just a matter of how you do them yourself that separates you from everyone else. And, you know, I really just, I go out there and I try to do whatever I can with what I can. And if it works one night, it doesn't work the next, well, you know, I'll keep it until it does work and I'll make it my own. But I definitely, you know, I try to be myself with everything that I do. I don't try to, you know, make people think of someone else when they see me. When people see me, I want them to think only of me. Not of, you know, Velvet Sky, not of Nevaeh, not of even Dave, you know, my trainer, who has given me very sound advice in wrestling. You know, he, in fact, gave me a couple of my moves that I don't want to do those moves and have people immediately think, oh, my gosh, I can tell that she's trained by Dave Smith. So I want them to see those moves and say, yeah, this is my face. This is her shit. He's doing it. This is her. You know what I mean? Am I talking in circles? <laughs> no, no, it makes perfect it. sense. <laughs> yeah. I kind of totally get it. If I start rambling, feel free to interrupt. It, that happens sometimes, you know. Oh, not it at all. I think if anybody is known, for, I think if anybody's known for rambling on this show, it's me. <laughs> Sorry, That's I think true. I'm in good company. In good company, then. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've said this to Sarah many times. Uh, because when I originally contacted Sarah, it was kind of the same reason why I contacted you. I was really drawn into the work and the look mm-hmm. and, you know, talking to you guys, very, very friendly, very open, uh, down-to-earth people. I love that. Uh, you don't really get that a lot. You know, I've, I've been blown off. I've been very rudely, uh, you know, insulted by wrestlers. Um, I had one female who I sent her an invite to one of the podcasts that her friend was going to be in just to give her an idea of what the show was going to be like so she could listen and, you know, trust that we're not just going to, you know, get her on here and do a shoot interview and put her on the spot and, you know, cause problems or whatever. And she literally had an attitude with me and said, don't send me anything else. And I was like, okay, I'm going to explain myself. And then she's like, no, I don't, I don't want that. I don't like when people send me personal invites to anything. And I'm like, okay, but do you understand? It's just for you to listen to a show. You don't have to go to anything. Right. You don't have to pay anything. It's free. Mm-hmm. And she was just, you know, so nasty about it. It was one of those things where I said, you know what, that's fine. I don't even need her on my show now. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, I've mm-hmm. had a very, I'd say, genuinely good experience dealing with wrestlers. Uh, would you say that mm-hmm. that's kind of the same thing with you? Would you say that you've generally had a good experience with the other wrestlers, guys and girls? Oh, yeah. I mean, no matter where you go, there are going to be some people who just aren't very pleasant. You know, wrestling is just like any any other job anywhere else you'll go in life. There are good people, there are mean people, there are bad people. But, I mean, through wrestling, I have met some of the best people in the world. I have met, you know, some of my best friends through wrestling. But then I've met some people who, you know, if I never see them again, I'll be perfectly fine with that, you know? So it's, it's definitely a little bit of both, you know? There are a-holes out there. There are great people out there. It's, you know, it just depends on, on where you go, really. 
And there's always that, that one person in the locker room, and they're like, oh, well, so-and-so's going to be there, and you're like, ah, crap. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. But we're professionals. We smile, we nod, we say thank you, we shake hands, and we go about our business. Right, Samantha? Exactly. And, you know, especially being so young in the business, yeah. yeah. Even if I even if I wanted to see something, it's not my place at all. So it's definitely a lot of smiling and nodding. But you know, for the yeah. most part for the most part it's been just fantastic people. I mean I'm like I know I've said it before but I really am spoiled with Rockstar because, you know, top to bottom that roster is filled filled with some great people. I've learned something from everybody. I have you know, a good time every Wednesday that I'm there, it really is a great place to be. So that's, you know, that's one place that's just filled with amazing people. So, I mean, for the most part... Well, unfortunately... Well, unfortunately, we're almost out of time, uh, but can you uh, really quickly just give us a a rundown for our listeners and uh, for your fans that might be listening, where people can find you on social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and all that? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Samantha Height. I am on Twitter and Instagram, at amazing 73 So there we are. I mean, you can find me anytime. Awesome. Great. Well, awesome, thank you awesome. so much thank for joining so much. us. And it was absolutely awesome talking with you again. Uh, again, I'm a huge fan of yours, so please keep us updated. You know, when you have any matches or appearances, signings, anything like that coming up, please let us know. Send us links, whatever it is. We'll make sure to post it on the you know Facebook page. We'll make sure to mention it on the show. Give you all the free promotion we can. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Samantha. Thank you. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Wow, that's so cool. I love when we can do a show where we get really cool people on, and, you know, it's, it's it doesn't seem to happen very often with me where I don't get, you know, nervous completely. But for whatever reason, uh, I was nervous during both of those interviews, and you handled the Samantha interview very, very well because I had, like, three questions I was going to ask her, and you asked them, like, right off the bat. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we do story time first, and then we get into the other stuff. Well, you know, every interview can't be the same. You know, you can't start every interview by asking, you know, the same question. You know, you always got to do something different or, you know, at least in my opinion, it kind of makes them, you know, the guests feel like you don't care enough about them to, uh, you know, take time to try a different approach. You know what I mean? So I always try to start off with, like, a different question or, you know, whatever, and and you did a a great job. I, I told you, Sarah, you are great at these interviews. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you you know, you only have me saying it because you have me tied up in your basement right now, and you've been punching me all night. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Getting the cattle prod out next. No, I actually, I actually had somebody message me on Facebook, and uh, it, it was a guy, and he's like, "Hey, I listen to your show once in a while, and I was just curious, uh, do you really have like conflict with your co-host?" I was like, "No, no, no. We're just, we're just messing, man. I'm not really afraid of her. It's okay." <laughs> it's okay, man. Of people, I'm not as Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, we're running out, we're running out of time. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Uh, right now, I think we have on the line, I hope so, 
which is my very good friend Aaron Moore, who is the creator of If Powers, along with a whole bunch of other stuff that I hope I'm going to be involved with. Uh, and he's going to right now talk about his Kickstarter. Of course, I think he was on last week and the week before. Uh, you know, we're just trying to get everybody aware of the Kickstarter. I, I'm pretty sure that they're halfway through right now uh, on their goal. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we do also have our first guest from this year, 2015, on the CAC show with us also, and that would be Mr. Jeremy Clark. Are you guys on with us? Uh, yeah. Yay! Uh, part of the show. <laughs> it is always great to have you guys on. Uh, Aaron, uh, first of all, congratulations on, I think you're halfway now, aren't you? Uh, oh, almost, just about, just, just, just shy. Uh, and how much time do you have left on the Kickstarter? 35 days, so, so Ooh, quite a bit of time. Man, you're going to hit that goal so, so fast. You know, Aaron, you got to sound a bit chipper, man, because that's, that's tons of time to go ahead and fill the rest of that up, especially with uh, Dino and I working on the next three pages for the project. Should go ahead and really get some uh, generated support for you. Oh, yeah, I, I can't wait till we can start showing some of those pages. Uh, he, he sent me some thumbnails for the layouts, and uh, it's, it's going to be epic. And uh, and I, I, misto- I misspoke, and it, it is over 50%. I, I had a backer drop out, and uh, I, I thought it dropped me below, but it didn't. So I was wrong. I, I'm, at, I'm at 57%, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I can tell you this much. Uh I know that, speaking from my personal experience, I just received a piece that, uh, Jeremy, thank you very much for doing uh, for me, and that piece is going to be in the special that's coming up for the No Gravity Studios uh, Spring Special. And I can tell you this much right now, what I've seen, I'm completely happy with, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do with Dino's pencils because, of course, you know, Dino is like my go-to guy for penciling my stuff, and... (laughs) I don't know what it is about him, but it just seems like every time he gives me a page or he gives me a cover, I just stare at it for like 20 minutes before I can look away. Yeah, and, uh, you uh, know, i gotta, I got to tell you, Fringe, I'm actually pretty excited to uh, be working with Dino on that particular project as well. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of his work uh, through your project as well as through Aaron's, and uh, I've been kicking Aaron, you know, around for a while now trying to get me on uh, some pages with him, so... I'm actually uh, quite pleased to go ahead and be on the project and uh, be working with a great penciler like that. Yeah, we're uh, we're, we're actually me and friends are playing tug of war with them right now. Um, you know, he's, <laughs> he's been he's been delayed on, on on my pages. You know, and he's and he's been you know I'm doing I'm doing light earth and you know and, and yeah and I saw the piece that uh, that you guys that you uh, did for the um, for the No Gravity Studio special and uh, that that's just wicked man and. I gotta say, I'm also looking forward to your inks on Dino's because, you know, um, Jeremy's already come through and, and basically, you know, kind of saved the day on a few things and just kind of helped me out inking wise and getting some projects done by deadline. You know, as far as when I was concerned at that point, and it's just, uh, it's just awesome. You know, every time he returns something, and you're just like, oh hell yeah, <laughs> this gets oh, so Here's a little interesting story. Uh, most people don't know this. Aaron, I think I might have told you this, but I, 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 there's a possibility that I didn't. Uh, when I was actually trying to find a team for Light Earth, Dino had been set in stone since I originally talked to him last year. And, in fact, he wanted to do Light Earth before he wanted to do Gallant. Uh, he was really right, adamant right. about the fact that when I was ready to do that book, he's like, I want the penciling on that. 
And I was like, okay, not a problem. Well, I knew that Tony Cordos has been very busy. Uh, he's got so many projects under, under his belt right now that he's got going on. Uh, so I didn't want to have to have him doing two different books. And I was going to contact Jeremy, but then I got a contact from Dino saying that he's now living with uh, his buddy Mervin, and Mervin does a lot of the inks and the colors for him. So uh, that really was the only reason that Jeremy uh, didn't get hired, because I really wasn't given an option. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't know that they were roommates, but that's a, that works out, you know. Their, their little arrangement there works out. <laughs> that's well, a good art team. From, from what Dino has told me and from what Mervin has told me, you know, they want that kind of specific uh, – connection with each other because I guess they can get work done faster. Um, part, oh, yeah. of me, uh, part of me doesn't understand that, but then again, I'm not an artist, so I don't understand right. pretty much anything about art. So, Right. Well, well friends, if I might chime in there, um, you know, just because you're within close proximity to somebody doesn't mean that you can get a project done any faster than, say, if you were with a creative team that was spanned across the United States. I personally work uh, with a colorist named George Cortez who will be working on uh, these three pages for Aaron. And uh, he doesn't even live here in the United States. But the beauty of uh, our collaborations have been that, uh, you know, we communicate through Facebook, Skype. uh, We do screen sharing sessions in which case, you know, I can immediately see in real time how things are being colored and whether or not they meet the standards that uh, that I was expecting going into the project. So uh, a really cool thing about George as well is uh, he's worked for some of the big-name uh, publishers, Aspen, Zenoscope. Uh, he did some stuff uh, on Inhumans. So, I mean, when you start to look at the resume that's uh, associated with him, I think it'll be really cool to see kind of how it differs from maybe Mervyn's colors on this particular project uh, as it is uh, going to be Dino's pencils with my inks and George's colors. So I think it might produce a little bit of a different dynamic that uh, might surprise a lot of people as far as what they've seen from Dino in the past. Yeah, and like I said, you know, I wasn't really given much of an option, uh, you know, in terms of, like, what happened with Light Earth, but uh, it was definitely something I was, you know, looking into. Uh, unfortunately with me, you know, trying to fund four different books at the same time, you know, it's not easy, especially when I'm doing it by myself and I don't really have much help. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I did put in for a small business loan. I didn't get it, uh, but it's hard to get a small, small business loan when you don't have much collateral. Uh, so, you know, the good news is, is that we'll still be putting out at least a couple books this year. Uh, it might not be a whole lot, but I might go the route that I've seen, you know, some of my friends do lately and just, you know, try to get some of these books picked up by another publisher because it would be a lot easier for me to not have to have that hanging over my head as well, you know. Well, and the right. thing about some of these uh, independent publishers is uh, they're starting to pick up a lot more titles, too, and licenses. So IDW just picked up a whole bunch of new ones, uh, as did Dark Horse, and uh, I've seen a number of the other publishers really try to amp up uh, their their actual book uh, count to include and encompass a bunch more of the indie projects that have recently sort of picked up a lot of uh, a lot of attention. Yeah, that's definitely something that I think is great because, you know, you see a lot of, you know, publishers out there, uh, you know, they're doing a lot of, um, you know, they have like certain, I, I know that Dark Horse is one of them, that they do those uh, talent searches and they do those, uh, you know, you know, they take portfolios and, you know, submissions, whatever you want to do. And, you know, they'll sometimes take in characters, take in new books and stuff like that. I think that's great because it's hard for, you know, indie guys like myself, like Aaron, 
uh, you know, even the late Jeremy Dale, who, you know, spent so much time trying to get something together. And then you have to worry about, you know, the marketing and you got to worry about the printing and all that stuff. And, you know, it really wears on somebody. And that's something that, you know, once it's taken off your shoulders, I think a lot of people, if, if they had that option, would no longer be discouraged because they wouldn't feel like they have to do everything. Right. Yeah, yeah I no, mean, I, I agree with you there as well. Go ahead, Aaron. I was just saying, yeah, I've been, I've been looking into the submission uh, part of it, and, you know, it just seems like pretty much from what I'm seeing from indie creators is you release the book, maybe two, you show that you have a working team, you show that you're getting things done, and that's when, that's what I kind of noticed that, you know, you, you can send you can send an email and say, hey, this is what I'm doing, where when you go to the submission page, you know, I, I mentioned this recently, um, you know, I've been to quite a few of them, and some of them, they feel like they're just basically yelling at you. Like, they've gotten so many submissions, but they're so sick and tired of it that you read this list of all these rules, and they'll, they'll start off real calm saying, this is our rule, and by the end of the sentence, it's like everything's in all caps saying, we do not take this, we do not do this. And you're just, at the end, you're just like, you know, I'm busy trying to create a comic book. I don't have the hours and hours to read your novel of rules for submission. Do you like my project? Do you like what I'm doing? Do you like what I'm producing? Yes or no? If it's yes, I will gladly tell you more. If it's no, we don't have to continue. Do you know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Just, uh, you know what, Aaron? Yeah. To stretch on that a little bit, I think that the comic book convention scene is exactly the same way. They make you fill out a damn booklet of stuff just to get accepted to, to even be considered to get a table, most of them. And then after they consider you for a table, they'll then contact you and say, okay, yeah, well, this is how much you're going to owe us. And it, it, they make creators jump through such hoops, at least most of the ones that I've come into contact with. And I'm not going to drop names, right. but there's even no. ones that are close to me that I feel the same but, way about. It's just like, you know, they make it seem like it's, it's more like you're inconveniencing them by bringing your talent and your book to their convention. But here's the thing, you know, with things like comic books, video games, all that, it's always going to be associated with young people. And there's always going to be that young people that are that see these movies that are making millions of dollars and this and that, and they're, they're, they're constantly badgering these promoters, they're badgering these submission people, sending in their scribbles and their doodles, and I, I think they're just tired of it, you know. I think that you basically have to get to a point where they're looking and they see you, um, before before it even matters now, you know, especially with all as much digital distribution as there is now, and the opportunity to kickstart a comic book, and um, you know, like now I'm kind of throwing my thing in, like it's just gonna be thrown in the mix. But yeah, it is. I'm just kind of doing. I'm just I'm doing a comic book. I'm doing an indie book. You know, it's uh, you know, I think it's something special. Hopefully, people read it and think it's something special. But I'm, I, you know, I'm not gonna, you know just spend my days when I could be working and, and getting money to pay artists or writing a script, trying to sell myself to a comic book company that's just going to throw me into a pile and, and look at it in six months or never. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, there there are a lot of hoops that you do have to jump through uh, in the oh, submission yeah. process for Dark Horse or Image or, or IDW or any of the other ones uh, like Dynamite. Um you know they they don't they do have very specific submission guidelines. I, I just took a look at uh, Dark Horses uh, recently over the past few days. Uh, I think hit my news feed that uh, mentioned that they were looking for new submissions and 
they were uh, going over what exactly was required in order to be involved in that submission process. So uh, you're absolutely right. There are a lot of hoops, and sometimes it is better to go, you know, creator-owned and, and self-published uh, just to kind of avoid those uh, the things that might uh, hinder a project overall. Right, right. And then, yeah, well, and I noticed that. Aaron, I was metal. able to give us an extra... I was able to give us an extra 15 minutes uh, for today, so we're actually uh, scheduled till 8.15. So uh, okay. uh, I don't mean to cut you short, but uh, we'll definitely have you on again uh, next week for sure, you know, to, to promote a little bit more. Uh, but really quickly, can you give us the, uh, you know, the links and, uh, you know, the Facebook pages and everything where everybody can find you, where they can pledge and all that? Yep, yep. You just Google Aaron Moore Kickstarter, Rage in Action, If Powers, Ron DeviantArt, Facebook, everything. You can find me, friends, Jeremy. Find our art, see what we're doing, see what we're talking about with Dino. And um, I think you're going to be amazed at the art we're putting out. So, cool. Thanks for having me on, guys. Talk to you later. Yeah, thanks a lot. I do appreciate it. I just wanted to definitely get a shout-out there to Aaron and the project overall and to uh, definitely back it. You know, the more people that back that project means there's uh, more opportunities for maybe you to see some more pages from me, Dino, and all the rest of the individuals that are part of the project. Oh, yeah. And where can people find you in social media, Jeremy? Uh, everything's uh, got a great tag with it. It's all my name and the word art. So you can go to my website at jeremyclarkart.com or you can do facebook.com backslash jeremyclarkart. And that's the easiest way to find everything uh, pertaining to me. It's just uh, Google my name plus the word art or comic, and I should be there. All right. Well, Jeremy, I want to thank you, uh, of course, for joining us again. Uh, you know, your episode at the start of the year is uh, one of our most downloaded of all time. Uh, actually, last week's episode with uh, artist Shannon Mayer is officially our most downloaded, fastest downloaded, and most successful episode that we've ever done, and it did all that in less than a week. So uh, I definitely want to thank Shannon Mayer. I also want to thank Sarah for another great interview that she did this week, and, of course, uh, for all the help with the Facebook page and getting all the likes and everything. I want to thank both of you guys for joining us today because, of course, I'm always all about talking comic books, especially comic books that I'm working on. <laughs> so uh, so uh, that's great. And uh, once again, I want to thank uh, David J. Fielding for joining us, Samantha Heights, and, of course, you guys. If you guys want to call in next week, we'll uh, talk a little bit more. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more time. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about it. And, Aaron, I, of course, wish you all the best on the Kickstarter I, of course, myself will make sure to share the link, the page, and all that stuff. Uh, so, you know, you got my support, buddy. Good. Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks again, Prince. Oh, anytime, my friend. Uh, Sarah, as always, great having you as co-host again this week. Thank Thanks, you Sarah. for another great interview. My pleasure. No, my pleasure. <laughs> no, my pleasure. <laughs> no, my pleasure. No, I don't even know what that was. was Nobody was does. And on that, no, that was a little bit of Elmo. Uh, on that note, we will see you guys. We'll see, see you guys next week, same time, same channel, 7 p.m. Eastern on Blog Talk Radio. See ya. Thank you.